Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And it's welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. I think we're up to episode 26. I forgot to check before we started. I have a beautiful guest here with me today with the most beautiful accent. And it's Jenny Jones from Perth in Western Australia. Good afternoon, And it's good Jenny. morning from Perth. Hello, Melinda. Lovely to be here. Yeah. Now, last time I was speaking, I was speaking to Rachel in Perth and she had big storms and everything blew up. But it's sunny over there today, I hope, and we're not going to have the same problems. Uh, so, Jenny, I'm, I've spoken with Jenny before we started, everyone, and I thought we're going to focus very much on the writing process today because I read on Jenny's Facebook that she's just churned out 34 thousand words in in a few weeks and there's some outlining tips to go with that and we um i noticed there are words like yes. pantsing and plotting so jenny uh if you'd like to give us a little bit of background on i guess how you came to be writing rural romances in western <laughs> australia yes it is quite a story that one uh, well basically i loved everything with a romantic or dramatic element from a very early age now i was born and brought up in wales but I've been here in Australia 21 years now, and I think I've been a citizen for 15 of those years. So I'm, Australia is very much home. So I'm not really a new blow-in. I've, I've been here a little while. But I suppose um, because I came from a smallish industrial town and was used to that country element in Wales, um, that stayed with me all along. When I first started writing, when I wrote six books, which will never see the light of day when I, before, you know, when I was learning how to write fiction, uh, my first book, The House on Burra Burra Lane, I literally started it writing a scene and I wrote about two or three pages and I realised it was going to be set in the country, this story. It needed to be because of what I'd written in this dialogue. Um, so I carried on and I wrote a lot of it along these lines and I didn't know anything about rural romance, uh, particularly as it being a particular genre. This was back in 2012. I'd finished the book and I'd had it professionally um, assessed, when, which told me all the things that I, I hadn't done right, things like narrative tension. So I had to go away and work out what that meant and how to get that narrative tension is my story. Then I went to my very first Romance Writers of Australia conference at the Gold Coast, which was 2012, it must have been. Um, and that's where I heard rural romance, it's the thing. So I thought, well, I've got a, my story is a country story. It might be suitable for this rural romance uh, genre. And I watched a panel um, there that was like, so Rachel Johns was there. She was actually sitting just behind me. I'd only just met Rachel. But up on the panel, on the panel uh, there was Helen Young, Catherine Hine, and I can't remember who else, but they were obviously rural romance and rural suspense biggie authors. So that was fascinating. 
Then I pitched my book to, um, and I pitched it as a rural romance, then you it's the country. But I knew really that because I'd read um, a lot of Catherine Hines' books and Bromwich Perry and Helen Young and Rachel's Jilted, and I thought, well, I'm not really, in, it's, what I'm writing here isn't actually what they're writing. There's, I probably focus a bit more on the, the romantic journey of the main protagonist, but I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. Anyway, I gave it that shot. Um, I had two mainstream publishers want to take a look, but they didn't want it. It wasn't right for their imprints, which indeed it wasn't at the time. So in the end, I thought, well, I'm going to go with, I'm going to submit it to Harlequin's digital first imprint, Escape Publishing. And they wanted it. So that was fantastic. Now, I didn't know then, being a newbie author, what they would do with my book or how they would market it or promote it. I, I knew nothing about how that worked. Uh, but they did send me down that rural romance genre pathway. And um, really, since then, I, I hadn't looked back. And it was good because it means, for me, because it means I can still write my small town country stories, which is where my heart is when I'm writing. Is I love the small towns and all using all the secondary characters. So, um, yeah, Melinda, that's sort of how I got into the rural romance genre. A little bit of luck, a little bit of a push, yeah. and there I was. Yeah, and it's interesting, as I'm listening to you, Jenny, and for everyone out there, uh, one of the things that strikes me is that you mentioned that one of your first books was published in 2012. That's not very long ago. And as I flick through your webpage and your Facebook, you appear to be a prolific yeah. writer. There, I, there are I, a lot of books. Well, I basically I do it full time now. I, when I was writing The House on Borough Lane, my debut novel, um, I was doing a part-time job as well, uh, but Borough went well and um, I gave up my part-time job and I write and I now write full-time and that's why I can write you know, more books than maybe someone who is working a day job as well. Okay, and I, I set this up with Jenny before we started, everybody, that that term full-time writer. That's what I really want to talk with Jenny today because all of us dream to be full-time writers. I've had a couple of goes at it now and had to go back to work to um, pay the rent. Uh, so Jenny, can you describe when you first started as a full-time writer, the hours and and the focus that's necessary that you can actually lay claim to that term? I lay claim to that term. Well, you know, I don't think I really can. It just sort of happened at the time. Um, I'd, I'd actually finished my day job and, and was thinking, well, I, I'm going to have to look for another one now. But then Barbara Lane did quite well and I thought, I really want to do this. And I wasn't a very fast writer back then. I'm quicker now and that just comes from experience. I've, and I've got nine, ten books written now. Um, my seventh is coming out in December. So... That's something you, you, you can speed up as you one book from the next to the next to the next, the fifth one, you're going to be a little bit quicker than you are on the second. But then, I, back then, and it was 2013, I thought, no, I'm going to give this a go. My husband was all for it. Um, he went, yeah, you, you mean, wow, you know, luck is 
go for it. If your star's out there, up there, and you're working hard enough to for your luck to reach your lucky star, then let's go for it. So I had support there, and um, that's when I started writing, and I write it fast. I, I wrote slowly to begin with because I was still very much in a learning crafting curve and I mean that never leaves you but um yeah pacing wise I can write a bit faster now than I than I was able to there have I answered your question I've forgotten what the question was (laughs) (laughs) oh I love I love this woman that's what I do I'll I'll start talking and drift off into the never never as well that's perfectly okay Jenny it's what we do here on this podcast (laughs) we chat uh now the thing again that interests me and I'm pretty excited is that you start off slowly so for everyone out there when we write our first books we do struggle uh we do seem to be taking forever when everyone else yeah we should we should never ever worry what what someone else's approach to writing a book is we really really shouldn't because you will build your own um tunnel for the way you write and the other thing that's important, yeah, I always believe this is very important for um, people who are just beginning to write or aspiring writers, <coughs> excuse me, indeed any of us at any time, is that there's a lot of information out there on what you should be doing, how you should be doing it. But I would say to everybody, listen to what's inside you. One of the best pieces of advice I ever read, and I can't sadly remember who said it, I read it online was listen to your clues. Now, this female author was talking about listen to your clues as to what where you want your story to go and the crafting elements and what you're going to do next. But I take that a bit further. I can broaden that and I can say, listen to your clues as to how you want to write a book. And if you do go online and you look at all these writing techniques and tips, and there are thousands of people who um, offer these this great advice, but not everybody speaks the same way you do. So therefore, I found that I didn't understand what a number of people were saying, especially when I was searching for like, what is narrative tension? How, how do you get it? What is it in the first place? It wasn't until, so I, I read through a lot, a lot of tips and tricks and how to, and it wasn't until I came across something that clicked with me because the way the... Um, teacher, author, teacher had written it, I understood it. That for me was a, like a brilliant, that would, that moved the goalpost, that was just super. So my advice is don't, if you don't understand what you're being taught, then look for someone else who's teaching the same thing because they'll speak a different language and that's what you will understand. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and. Yeah, I think I think that's really exciting, Jenny. We were up running a workshop up at the hinterland of the Sunshine Coast yesterday, and I had a group of young teenagers. And when I say young teachers, teenagers, they were they were eleven and right. or ten and eleven. They were very young, and I found myself. It was a five-hour full-day workshop, and I found myself for the majority of that time acting as a facilitator rather than a teacher. And it was just so exciting and so fantastic because these kids took their ideas, they took what what we created together in our brainstorming and they just ran with it. So we had five hours of just me feeling guilty that I wasn't actually doing anything. But my job was to really 
to sit back and encourage them to run and with their own. And at that age, you know, their minds are just sponges. They just go with it. Oh, it was it was a it was a fantastic oh. lesson. It was pretty exciting. My six my sixteen year old who does all the theatre stuff, she she runs these things for me because they relate to to her because she's younger <laughs> rather than this old English teacher sitting in the background. Uh, and to see the energy, to feel the energy, and I thought about all the how to books, all the advice that I've learnt to tune out and switch off. Uh, there's too much out there. And you end up being frozen and not doing anything. So I'm really excited for you to, yeah, to hear you, you say. You must, I really do believe you. No, no, I'm here. That's I thought good. I'd lost you. Can you hear me? <laughs> uh, no, no. We're, okay, we're back, everybody. Nobody panic. We're all here. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, always, yeah. always listen to oh, what the, you need to know. Listen to your clues. Listen to your inner self Say. No, I need to do this and follow that through, and invariably you'll 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 come to a, a conclusion. Yeah. Now, plotting and pantsing—they're they're expressions that I—they just make me roll around on the floor laughing, um, because I just think Absolutely. of someone in a pair of pants, and you know, yeah, it goes on. Tell us about tell us about um your album. Oh well, this is something very new to me, really. I am a pantser, which means I write by the seat of my pants. Um, I think the um, authors in the US now are terming this um, organic. So I'm an organic writer. I know. I love but that. like I was saying awesome. earlier, the more books you write, um, the more you, you all, you know, I'm changing as well. My needs are changing because something might be easier for me to do, um, although each book is very different, um, and something might not be quite as easy for me. So I need to change as well. And I knew before, uh, I've known now for the last few months, I need to move on a step. I need to move a step. Um, and I wasn't really quite sure how because I pantser, so I just start writing. Um, and I will make little notes and you know, plot a little bit as I'm going along. But basically, my books come out completely from my mind. Now, plotters will actually plot the entire novel before they even start writing. And that, to me, is so scary. <laughs> I couldn't. But it was well, so boring. For me, it was. But this is the interesting thing. As I go along, uh, book after book after book, I realise that I actually am now prepared to plot some more. And I'd, in fact, I'd already started it because I pants her along, I'm halfway through, then I get a little bit stuck. Then I actually go and make my notes and my plot. Well, what have I done at the beginning? How am I going to get back to the middle, to the end? I may have already written the, written the very last scene of the book, and I like to write the middle as soon as I know what's going to happen at the middle as well. And then I sort of fill in the gaps to get through. But I need to plot a little bit to do that. So there's been more plotting from my pantsering recently in the last two books than ever before. So again, back to the wonderful Romance Writers of Australia, I went to the conference um, this August in Adelaide and I did a workshop there which was about um, plotting, not pantsering. So I thought I'm going to give it a go and I did. I came home and I did plot, outline um, the first half of the book. Now, you know, 
because I'm a pantser and I really will always be, I'll get my best ideas from pantsering rather than outlining, I did have to write scenes as they came to me because I thought I'll, I'll miss them. I'll never remember if I don't. So, I got to, so I've got to the middle of the book I'm in now. I was at 36,000 words. I'm now at 46,000 words, so I'm very pleased with that. Um, so that's where I started to outline a little bit. I don't think at this stage, Melinda, that I will continue to be fully an outliner and a plotter. I think our pantsering will always be my dominant side, but I am now making use of both, and I have met, have, I've had many well-known, big, established authors say you need to plot because you can write faster. So I took that on board, yeah. but I still feel that I have to go with the yin and yang of what I need to do. Yeah, and I think that's important that we, we tap yeah. into who we are, but we also take on advo- take on board that advice. And, and as you're saying, Jenny, I was speaking to, I think it was Amy Andrews, you, I don't think you can work at that high level over time without getting something down on paper. And I guess that's as, as you grow in experience, you, you learn that. Yeah, I would say that's spot on. That's exactly right. That's certainly right for me. Absolutely. But, I mean, I've now taken the outline experience and the plotting experience, and that's valuable. That's valuable information for me because I know now that if I need to do that again, I can. And I will, the next book I start writing, I will try and do this again so that I learn a bit more. Yeah. And, yeah. And because um, Jenny and I have agreed this is our how to write interview which is all very exciting so I get to talk to someone and say how do you do it because I'm passing that information on to my teenage story slingers and um, the big thing that I, I say is wait until you need to know something before you go and research it so if you get stuck on setting or you get stuck on point of view then you go and find out the information now Jenny you mentioned um, researching narrative tension. Yeah, um, I think this is absolutely right because when I when I Everyone says, and this is the really is true advice, just write the book. Don't worry about any of that. Just write the book. Get into that, into that realm of getting your thoughts down, getting dialogue together, and you'll learn from doing that. So when you first start writing, just do that and don't worry about anything else um, unless something takes your mind on a different direction. You think, oh, hang on, I wonder if I've done that right. Then, by all means, go off and research how to do that because obviously you're ready to accept that. But basically, write the book. I wrote six terrible books um, when I was learning to write fiction. Uh, They were all about the 50,000-word length, Um, and I just pounded these out. I had to get – obviously, I had to get them out of my system and get them down. And it wasn't until after I'd written about three of these (laughs) terrible books that I thought, well, hang on, I'd better check. I better check the how-to. I must. I might be doing this wrong. <laughs> well, of course I was, but um, I don't. Think, I, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind admitting that I wrote those four, five, six books without learning how to do anything because that was right for me, obviously. And I t- I've taken a lot from those books because I could. When I did then go to research my how-tos and what to do and how to do it and when not to do it. Um, I could actually see in my manuscripts where I'd not done it or where I'd actually done it without even knowing. So you begin to recognise. So, yeah, just just write your book. 
Yeah, and I think that's a sign that, like that learning curve, like I guess six books at uh, 50,000 words, you've got 300,000 words uh, that you don't use. You've got all these books that you have published, so you're up to over a million words, I'm guessing. Uh, and, and to be able to say, I can look back on my early work now and see why it didn't work, that must give you a huge sense of satisfaction at the growth curve. Well, it actually makes me cringe, to be honest. <laughs> it does. You, you do get some satisfaction, I suppose, just by looking back and thinking, wow, look what I started, and now look what I'm capable of doing. That's that's really satisfying, yeah. But it's a job, and I took it on as a job. I wanted this to be my job. Um, so, therefore, you know, I've, I've got to pro- progress. I've got to keep progressing. And you always look back to when you first started your tiny little business and go, wow, look how far I've come. So, yeah, we, we must all pat ourselves on the back for having done, gone as far as we are at whatever stage we're at. Yeah, and one of the things that shines through, uh, Jen, you just used the word writing business. Uh, it is a business. Uh, uh, Jenny is published with Harlequin and she's got the new book coming out and I'm pretty excited. We'll talk about that in a moment, uh, A Place to Stay, the first in her Rangeland series. But That's right. even when you're published with, with a, with a you know, traditional publisher, it's a writing business and you have to treat it as such. You have to put your bum in your chair every day. You have to learn your craft and you just have to churn out those words, probably not, you know, 40-something 40, 40 thousand words in, in a few weeks, but I tell you what, it's a great goal to aim for and it's pretty exciting. Uh, tell us about Rangelands because I love the picture on your Facebook of this beautiful, <laughs> dusty yeah, no, I'm road. very excited about this one, actually, um, for a number of reasons, mainly because of the research I have to do for this one. When I first started writing, I was a bit frightened of research because I didn't know way back then whether, you know, other authors might might laugh at me, you know, because I didn't know very much about research. I could do it, but I didn't. I was too frightened to use it in my books. Maybe, maybe that's what I really mean. But I got over that, obviously. So Rangeland series. Um, this is set in Outback WA. So it's my own, it's in my own backyard, although of course it's a very big backyard. Uh, we're looking at the Goldfields Esperance region, and my fictional town, uh, Shire and town, is Mount Maria. I always make my towns fictional, and this covers some thirty thousand square kilometres. That's a pretty huge shire, and with only about maybe a thousand people living within that thirty thousand kilometres. So this one, um, I started for his perfect um, scenario of, of cancering and then thinking, why did I do that? Um, I started writing this book not knowing really where it was going to be particularly, although I knew I wanted to be in Western Australia. And I made my male protagonist a police officer. So I thought, okay, this is really fun. This is fun. And then, of course, the more I got into the, writing the book, I realised that Oh, hang on, this is the heroine's journey in the main, but my male protagonist is a police officer. I know nothing about what police do, especially in a rural outback town. So that gave me a lot of worries. Excuse me, I'm just going to take a sip of water. Yeah. Thank you. So that gave me some worries because I thought, well, I can research, and I did some research myself. But it wasn't enough. So I had to go down the very scary 
route, it was scary for me at the time, of trying to find a police officer who would talk to me <laughs> about um, how they run the offices and, you know, how many people are on shift, what vehicles do they have, what is the belt called that they wear around the waist, all these things and things. So I did eventually come across um, a senior sergeant who is OIC of a small remote town here in WA in an area where, where, where I've set my Mount Maria and he was he has been just fantastic. I could not have written this book without him. Um, it's not a story about police at all, but as I say, my hero happens to be a police officer and therefore every, the way he thinks needs to be a certain way. The way he walks, the way his, his judgment on everything around him and by talking to my senior uh, sergeant police officer, I got an understanding of how he operates, and he's a great guy, a really good, fun, humorous guy as well. He must be because you know, he's helping me a romance author. Um, so that's why I'm very excited about A Place to Stay, which is book one in the Rangeland series, um, because I, it's sort of close to my heart. I, I put a lot of effort into the research I gained some experience. I now know a police officer, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, so I'm very excited about this one. Yeah, I'm. I'm just beside myself with excitement as I'm sitting here, and I'm guessing I've probably recognised that road. I lived and um, wrote while I lived in Norseman oh, in nice. WA, which is a couple of hours from Esperance. And I didn't have to do any research because I was sitting in it. I was sitting You were there, the you had it. Well, my, my, yeah. my um, series is set around or north of Kalgoorlie area. North of Kalgoorlie? That's a long oh, yeah, way well, from the Kalgoorlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and look, it is, it is a wonderful part of the world, everybody. Uh, you probably don't want to live there for years like I ended up having to do. But it, the people are generous, the people are kind, the, the setting is amazing, the colours, the potential stories out there are absolutely yeah, huge. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, had a fair bit to do with the, I had a fair bit to do with the gold-stealing squad in Kalgoorlie, which was exciting. But one of the things that I found, and you may have used too, Jenny, was that a lot of the research uh, can be done at the State Library in Perth because that's where all the archives are. That's where all the primary yep, resources absolutely. are. Absolutely. I mean, don't we love libraries for for everything you can think of? Um, yep. You, we, what I always say, I mean, I needed particular, um, I particularly needed to speak to a police officer about uh, the rangelands. I obviously, I've just explained why, um, but. What's so fascinating is that these days with the internet is that, you know, I can discover what it's actually like to be in a nightclub in New York. It'll be on YouTube somewhere, plus all the reviews about nightclubs in New York and everything else, the news articles. You can gain so much now from, from research. You don't have to actually leave your study or your chair to go to these places yourself if you happen to find yourself having written a scene in a nightclub in New York in one of your books, you can find out. And also with social media, you can reach out and say, hey, any American friends out there, can you tell me what's the airport like in Houston? What's the, you know? So, yeah, there's heaps there. But when you want your solid your solid re research, and especially for historical um, details, yeah, your libraries, I would say, love them. 
Yeah, a question that comes up for me as, as we're chatting, and it's so fantastic to talk to you, Jenny. I, I'm pretty excited here. Uh, being in a place, I've just finished a little novella and it was set out at Cloncurry, and I was writing a scene and I couldn't remember uh, exactly what it felt like. So I went back to some old journals that I had, and it was where I used to take my dog walking along the dry creek beds. And I'd written about 10 pages of sitting in this creek bed and listening to the crows and the how the um, dirt felt on my skin and it was 38 degrees and how it felt like a furnace and all the noises I heard, what the clouds were doing, all those kinds of things. I could not write that from my study here in Brisbane. I found these 10 pages of notes. I probably stole four or five lines out of it but it gave my novel that authenticity that I couldn't have have written, I guess, if I hadn't been sitting in that in that creek bed in Clongarry. Not a lot of people get to do that. Do you find that you'd like to go I to I would love to. I would love to have, to be able to afford to go to every single setting. Yeah, I definitely would. Uh, but just what you said just then really interested me. I want to just um, pick up on it, was that um, – you went back and you read what you had written about your experiences and that immediately sank you into what you needed to do in your novella and write. It gave you that feeling. You remembered the perceptions and the feelings. That is actually something we can also do um, on a number of levels. When you are researching areas, like I will often look for interviews with people and they will talk about, you know, what it feels like for them, what, and, you, and you do get a sense of that. You can use that and then warm it up and heat it up a lot more so you can use it in your book. So that is that is, that is very particular. But, yes, I would love to go to my settings. And, of course, I'm in Perth, which is way, 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 way over west. And um, I hardly ever get to get out of Perth, to be honest. Uh, look, everybody, and we've got all our, our international listeners Perth in Australia, it's on the west coast of Australia. It's a beautiful spot. It's a Mediterranean climate, has magic beaches. I know Jenny lives very close to the beach. We're going to talk about that in a minute because I always love beaches. Uh, but that setting, as you said, um, some of your novels were set in country New South Wales. And again, I'm from country New South Wales. We like to read about, you know, what we know. Did you ever live in New South Wales or you did all your research? Um, no, I did WA? all my research from WA. And um, Swallows Fall series, my first series, uh, that's set in um, a fictional town called Swallows Fall in the New South Wales Snowy Mountains. So what I tend to do um, is that I will find, I will locate on Google Maps um, where I think my town might sit. And in this instance, it was um, about 30 kilometres south of Nimitable. I think I've said that. Nimitable. Nimitable. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking I bet I've said that wrong. <laughs> um, so what I do then is I, I, I research that town, the towns around it, Cooma, Canberra, um, how far it is to get to Sydney. I'll look at the flora and fauna around there. I'll read interviews with people. So even though my town is fictional, I always will use the elements of reality of that area. I'll get the, the same yeah. same highway, road names, um, things, everything like that, the SES services, anything and everything. I will use those in my book to make it seem real. And I was um, very close to going to Nimity Bell um, over a year ago now, but sadly the um, conference 
got cancelled. And um, yeah, I was going to go and they were going to have um, a, a lovely picnic evening with me, which would be fantastic. So hopefully, I'm hoping at the end of next year, when I'll be out and about from Perth again, um, I will actually make it there because they have said to me that they've, they've read my books and they haven't said, you got that wrong. So, I mean, so that's a huge relief for me as a writer. Yeah, and I think that's how things have changed over the years as well. I, look, I started out um, trying to write romance novels and as um, I think I got to almost but never got any further and, you know, lost interest and went and did my PhD. Um, but one of the things that I did notice that when I was reading a lot of romances and, you know, Australian romance authors, I would end up throwing those books across the wall, like quite literally, because they'd be crossing the Sydney Harbour Bridge and they'd do it in five minutes and you're thinking, this is peak hour on a Friday afternoon, it'd actually take you two and a half hours. What are you talking about? Uh, and and readers are very good at spotting That's... errors. Research is so very critical and we can do it so much more easily yeah, I, nowadays. I, when I was running Swans 4, I made I always make particular note of how long it takes to get from Nimitabel to Cooma, for example, but then I have to add a little extra time because Swans 4 is 30 kilometres south of Nimitabel. Um, so yeah, I always make sure I check my timings, and if and if I'm unsure, then I'll highlight it and I'll keep checking until I find out exactly what what it is. It's it is important to get those little facts yeah. correct, and you don't need to go into a big a whole spiel about you know this is how long it took her to get from so and so to so and so, and then she boarded a flight from so and so, and it took her four hours point three seconds to get to. You don't have to do that, but you need to know it. Because that will come out in your writing. Like you say, you can't cross the Sydney Harbour Bridge in five minutes. Yeah. And, look, we've, we've had some wonderful discussions here today. We've talked about our routine, writing routine, our research, our, our settings and being an organic writer. Do you think, Jenny, with your background in theatre, that we will that you'll actually set a novel in that uh, London and all those beautiful old theatres that you, you worked in? Um, for I've often wondered why. I haven't written a book about actors and the theatre, and I think it's because it didn't really fit with my small-town environment. But um, I am actually now utilising this, and I can't go into any more detail, I'm afraid, because I'd be giving too much away at the moment. But I am now utilising this. I have, however, also, because sometimes we write off, off our usual genre, and I think we need to do that, even if we don't publish the book yet. I've got one of those books. I've written off my genre. And this one is a romantic comedy um, set in London, modern day. Um, although it's not uh, in the theatre world, it is quite sort of um, dramatic in many ways. Um, so I do, and I use my, everything that I did when I was, in all those beautiful theatres in 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 England and Scotland and Wales, um, when I was not at the theatre, I'd be out in the country looking at the state of homes and the mansions, getting a sense of the history of Yorkshire or wherever I was. And so that whole sense of that British thing is still very much there in me. And I can use that in some theatrical ways, which I do sometimes with some of my characters, they're usually um, a little bit, you know, quirky. I have a fair few quirky characters. So I haven't as yet written about a theatre, but um, who knows, it may be on the cards. 
Yeah. Oh, and you know we get very excited when we hear these little exclusives. And I'm guessing there's something that I won't push you to get out of you because I can't help myself. But tell me, tell me when we turn off the mic, please. Uh, and I've I've just finished all my daughters, and I've just finished watching the whole Downton Abbey series. I'm guessing, and there seems to be quite a comeback to those beautiful um, big period novels or sagas. I used to love them and devour them, and I was disappointed when they went out of fashion. I'm, I'm I'm glad they're coming back in a little bit. Do you think you may attempt? No, I don't like think that? I will actually attempt. I've re- historical novels and historical um, television dramas and films. Oh, my absolute favourite! But I don't think I will ever attempt to write an historical or even like a vintage um, book at all. But I will, and I have already books that aren't out yet and may never get out. Um, written that sense of of the dramatic and the aristocracy and I I love all that sort of quirkiness and that so this history if if you write a modern day um like I have if I have my main character let's say he's an earl he is in some grand townhouse in London and his country manor is in England or wherever then you can still get a sense of that of that beautiful dramatic historical um, within your modern day, so I, I and I love stories. I love reading stories where that actually happens—a modern day story, but it is set in that wonderful hierarchy of the super uber duper, super duper wealthy, or the aristocracy, or royalty. I love those stories. Yeah. Now, isn't it amazing? We're sitting here again. I'm in Queensland. You're in Perth. We've talked about novels of your settings in New South Wales, rural New South Wales, uh, outback WA that's not on the coast. It's really, you know, five and six hours away from the coast up through the back of Kalgoorlie there. And now we're ranging over to London and the theatre scene in Scotland and Wales. It's an exciting time. Oh, to I, think be it, oh definitely. I, I think it definitely is. And I, there is a, because we're going back to it being a business and a job, we do have to keep track of what we're writing and what our readers want from us and also what publishers are going to want to accept from us. We have to keep track of that and move along those lines, but there's no one, there's nobody saying we can't shift to the side a little bit and write something else that we really want to write. And then, so I've done that, but I'm not doing anything with them. But I don't feel the time is right. I'm also quite busy at the moment doing other things I'm having to write. But they're there, and, and you know, that's, that's a great push for your mind. Mentally, it gets you out of what you normally do and back into, and, and into something new. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We do need to branch out mentally when we're writing. Yeah, and um, I noticed your, your new book's coming out with um, Mira, and it's coming out in December, the one with the beautiful dude on the cover, A Place to, what's it called, A Place to Something? Yeah, a place. Yeah, a place to stay is coming out, and Mira is look. They produce some beautiful books, and I, whenever I walk into Big W, I just look along the shelves at all our very talented Australian authors, and I think, oh, I've spoken to her. Oh, I want to speak to her. Oh, I love that book. Uh, we yeah, I still to do that too. Like, if I'm in the shop with my daughter, I'll say, I'll say, we just check the book section, and then I'll say, I know her. Oh, there's so that's my mate. I get such a thrill out yeah. of saying that. She just loves, my daughter just laughs and rolls her eyes, but I get a huge thrill about seeing people that I know, their books are there on the shelf. I love it. Yeah, 
And and they say that, you know, books are dying and books aren't as popular. I've got to say I, I, I'm experiencing the opposite. I go in, I see a real sense of rejuvenation on those bookshelves. I'm seeing, especially in the Australian fiction market, uh, there's a lot more coming out and a lot more that I'm interested in. Do you think you'll ever put out an indie book or do you think you'll stick I, with I would really fans? dearly love to go the um, self-publishing way because I, I simply want to say I did it, I did it. And maybe I may take one of those stories I've talked about earlier, which is currently out of my genre. Maybe eventually I will do that. Getting the time to do that would be something else at the moment due to my commitments. But the other thing as well for me is that I'm a bit scared of going self-publishing um, because I think I might stuff up the covers I, I really need some help on that. What I do like about being with mainstream publishers um, or um, it, is that that is, like, taken care of for me in many ways. Do you, do you know what I mean? The covers are taken care of. I, I don't have to worry about whether or not that's that's the right cover that I've chosen, which invariably it wouldn't be, um, because I trust Harlequin and what they're doing implicitly. So, I mean, now I yeah, Harlequin. Yeah, the more I get to know about Harlequin, and the more I speak to some of you guys, uh, it would appear that Harlequin here in Australia, and I, I don't know what it's like elsewhere, but they appear to look after their authors. Oh really yeah, I well. mean, I think all all the publishers here in Australia look after their authors. From from what I've, um, you know, other authors I've spoken to, and and of course they do. They care very much about their authors because. That's that's your book they're putting out there. You know they want it to do as well as you want it to do. Um, so yes, Harlequin, um, very very caring of their authors. I've had a fabulous association with Harlequin, and I've got. I mean, this is my seventh book with them now, which is fantastic. I, um, yeah, they're just, they're just fabulous. But with the with the covers, it's interesting because with Swallows Fall covers, um, in the end they'd send you a, a cover brief. Uh, which basically you can tell them what you want or, or what the book is about, what colour eyes and hair the main protagonists have, etc. where it's set, are there any holiday seasons. But now they, they just came up with so many fantastic covers for me that I just, on the cover brief now, I just say I'm leaving it entirely in your hands. He's got brown hair, she's got red hair, up to you. And, yeah, they, and they just come back with something great. Yeah, and they take care of the uh, editing. Uh, they they have wonderful editors, so you don't have to worry about finding a good editor. Yeah, that, that comes under it as well. I've had fantastic um, editors with Harlequin, and as I, as I know many other Harlequin authors have as well. Yes, it's it, that it, that is all taken care of for you. Uh, if you like, you still have to put the hard yards in, mind you. You still have to do that work, and you're usually on a deadline to do it as well. It can, it can be very fast. I can get an edit that I need to get back to them in two weeks, and that's for like a 100,000-word book. So you really have to be on the ball. But they're on a schedule too, so, you know, they've got their accountabilities to, to look for, and and that's where the reciprocal um, goodness comes in. I think, you know, we they know they trust their authors to get that work done because their authors are professionals and understand the job and the role, and we trust them to... Um, give us fabulous covers and um, taglines and all those wonderful things that they come up with and to progress us that way. But we still have to um, do an awful lot of our promotional marketing ourselves. 
Uh, we, we, I mean, every author has yeah. to do that anyway, you know. But that's the way it is. Yeah, and I was going. Yeah, I was going to finish off with with marketing because we've we've certainly taken ourselves on a bit of a journey, Jenny, today, which I appreciate very very much. I notice Harlequin. I think their digital imprint is uh, Escape Publishing. Now, do you notice just before we move into the marketing, because I've got something sitting here, I want to talk to you about very briefly. Uh, do you notice you have higher sales in your digital or in your print books? They're about the same, actually, more or less. And I must say that Escape Publishing, is, you know, was a dream to me because um, it was Kate Cutbutt of Escape Publishing who took the house on Burra Burra Lane. And from there, it, you know, it did go a little bit wicked, which surprised everybody and certainly me. Um, so Escape Publishing um, have been a continuance in my career completely. So I, I'm in print with Mirror, but I'm published digitally, if you like, for an easy way to explain it, um, with Escape Publishing. So yep. I'd say around about the same, yep. around about around about equal digital and print. Yeah, and our romance readers are voracious readers and our romance authors are prolific. I notice um, Jen, Jenny's got quite a few novels in these series out. I'll put up the uh, reference for Jenny's website as we finish off here today. Uh, and if you do get hooked on uh, Jenny's series like the Swallow, is it, books? There's, there's seven of them, six or seven of them? With six and Swallow's Fall. Then there's an anthology I did with authors Lisa Ireland and Catherine Evans called Last Chance Country. And then uh, my seventh book is the new Rangeland series. Yes, and the new Rangeland series. We've, we've got to read it. I notice um, book one is coming out in December, but there are two more titles that are already yes. sitting there on Jenny's website. Now, we're going to finish off because this is a... This is something of my own heart and I'm noticing I'm in the right community when it comes to romance authors. On the top of uh, Jenny's website, there's this wonderful, no, I think I got it off your Facebook, but the quote is, every box of raisins is a tragic tale of grapes that could have been wine. Uh, I love that quote. I'm going to put it on my own grave and coffin when I die. It's not my quote. I shared it from somebody else. I love that quote. yeah, and I think I shared it on as well. Uh, but I'm finishing off on that because you have an event coming up at Ellenbrook Community Library. Now, from my memories and my days of living in Perth, Ellenbrook was up near the That's winery region of Swan Perth. Valley region. Yes, I'm actually at Clarkson Library this evening, and that's my local library here in WA, so I'm very much looking forward to that. And then I'm at Ellenbrook Library on the 10th of October from memory. Yeah, and author events uh, for, I guess, Perth writers, you're spoilt for choice because there's some lovely wineries and places up there um, that, you know, just have the opportunity to to combine those two things, romance, novels, wine, uh, and I think there's some nice cheeses and things to go over there. Jenny is... Jenny's <laughs> Jenny is tagged as a feel-good fiction author in this advertisement. Uh, the the book covers are beautiful with the beautiful girls smiling. I th- I think what the what your publisher has done for you, I guess, looks yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I have to agree with that, and um, very much so. I'm I'm just thrilled with all those covers I've been given so far. I've it's just been gorgeous. 
Yeah. Look, thanks, thanks, uh, Jenny. I'm going to wind it up here because we're at the 47 minutes. Uh, we went past our 30. We're not quite at our 60, so I've done very well. I've cut 10 minutes off. You'll be all proud of me. Uh, I'd like everybody, if you listen to Rachel's uh, talk with us and then you listen to Jenny's talk with us, you'll discover there is so much potential and possibility uh, with romance writing, with rural romances. Um, very quickly, I haven't touched. Jenny has put up a web page and she runs it. It's called the Australian Rural Romance Writers. It's Australia, it? Australia Rural Romance. It's just a yeah. It's a group of uh, yeah. rural romance or romantic elements, rural fiction authors. Uh, we got together and um, we just showcase our books for those who like rural Aussie rural fiction, and it's going down very well indeed. Uh, it's certainly going down with um, people like me because I see the advertisement on Facebook. My eyes are drawn to it immediately because, as I said, I love the Australian Outback and I see this and I immediately click on it. My trouble is I end up buying too many of your books and that's why I want you to go indie so that your prices drop because with traditional publishers the prices are higher. Um, with indies we, we tend to charge, you know, 2 and $3. These guys are up there, um, which is a lot higher. The traditional publishers are keeping those prices high. Hopefully that barrier will break um, and will change and I know the authors want it to. Uh, is there anything that I've missed, Jenny? I don't think so. It's been fabulous. It, you, you took me off course um, talking about, um, you know, outlining and pantsing, but it was, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, Melinda. Yeah, okay, and uh, all the contact details for Jenny will be up there. When her new books come out, we'll certainly all go and buy them, and I'm sure, as always with these ladies, if we ever want to call you back on, you're so generous with your time. Thank you very much from all of us, my listeners and myself at Rider on the Road. Mm-hmm.